It is summer, isn't it? It is. <laughs> so what do your people call the people who live on the moon? Friendlies. Friendlies. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I thought we called them craters. Craters. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That's really pretty exciting, isn't it? What a wonderful computer. And did you see how they made the memory? Yeah. Uh, when we think about memory today, we really take it for granted. We waste so much memory in our cell phones and that. We just programmers say, oh, just use it. On the very first Billings computer, uh, we had 4K memory boards. They're about this big, and each one of them had 4,000 bytes. And we put four of them in the computer because they were expensive. And that gave you 16K. That's nothing. I mean, it's literally nothing. The CPU could address 64K, but nobody could afford it because it was static memory. It was a memory chip that when you put data in it, it would sit there and remember until you turned off the power, but they were very, very expensive. We wanted more memory in the Billings computer. The one that had the 4K memory boards was our S100 computer. It was huge and very hard to sell, very expensive. Uh, it was actually in two big boxes and a dumb terminal. So my focus was on building it all into one box, which became the the Billings BC12FD computer, the one that we sold so many of. And in order to do that, I wanted not to have 16K memory. I wanted to have 64K, which was all an 8-bit CPU could address. And um, to make that affordable, we needed to find better memory. Now, the lunar landing was before that. so. They were back, and, and really with this, this memory they made with little donuts and wires, they were pioneering a lot of computer technology. That computer, that little computer we saw, really helped get the computer industry moving. At any rate, um, I got excited about building a personal computer because Intel came out with one chip that was a CPU. It was a central processing unit. It still needed memory and things around it, but it made it possible to build a little computer, an affordable computer that a lot of people could handle. But then there was the cost of the memory, and the memory was really expensive. And the more memory you had, the more you could do. We, we were talking about 16,000 memory, and then we talked about 16 million memory. Now 16 gigabit is nothing. So now we have a lot of memory, don't we? But back then, it was hard to come by. Intel uh, had a CPU, which was called the 8080A. It was this first one that came out, and the one I was looking, in fact, I used it in my big computer. Because I got ready to make the all-in-one-box in computer, I really wanted more memory, and I wanted it to cost a lot better than, or a lot less than that 16K. One of the guys that had been a, a, a key developer at Intel in developing the 8080 microprocessor was a guy named Frederico. And he left Intel and started his own company called Zilog. Mm -hmm. And he started developing his own CPU. And instead of the 8080A, he called it the Z80. And so I'm going along and 
and the nice thing about the Z80 is it was still just under development and I was developing my computer. There's a type of memory that was available to us then, and it still is, called dynamic memory. The expensive memory was called static. You write in it and it would keep it there until you turn off the power or until you changed it. Dynamic memory, on the other hand, was a whole bunch of little capacitors. And some of you remember what capacitors are. Capacitors are like real cheap batteries. They're just two plates of metal separated by some kind of a non-conductor and you put a charge on them. And it holds the charge. And in the, in the case of dynamic memory, it'd hold it for about a thousandth of a second. And it would just gradually And after a thousandth of a second, the voltage would drop so much you couldn't read it anymore. So it was real good memory if you get everything done in a thousandth of a second. <laughs> so the idea with dynamic memory was you'd write a one in it, that means you'd put a charge on it. A zero was you wouldn't put a charge. The zero stayed real good. <laughs> but if you put a one on it and it's starting to decay, you gotta hurry and read it before the one is gone, and then you write it again. And so it's charged back up and it starts decaying away. And then you write it, you have to read it to see if it's a one or a zero, and then you put it back. The problem was, that's by the way called memory refresh. The problem was that it took all the power of the 8080A just to refresh memory. You couldn't run a program, which wasn't cool. That means you couldn't use dynamic memory. So when I got to know Mr. Frederico and I said, I'm developing a computer and I'd like to use your new processor when you get it done, but I do need one little feature and that's called memory refresh. And I said, in your chip, I just need you to check all of the dynamic memory locations, and if it's one, rewrite the one. Only do it without the CPU being bothered. Just do it in other hardware on the chip, and he did. And so we came out with the very first computer that had 64K of dynamic memory, and it was cheaper than 4K of static. And I think that's one of the reasons why we sold so many units. But hats off to those guys at MIT that built that little amazing computer. And hats off for that, that mission's really amazing. Uh, when you do something like build your own computer system and you have to go solve a problem like memory because that's gonna get you ahead of all the competition, that's technology development. And that's really what inventioneering's all about. Figuring out what you need, figuring out a way. Can I show you this? Of course. Do you know what this is? Maybe we can get a nice close-up on it. Ah. I kind of know This what is. is gold. Oh, okay. Hydrogen gold. <laughs> yeah, see? Dun, 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 dun. Well, what kind of that. a person <laughs> would put their own face on a coin? Somebody who's... Wasn't me, but I that... that <laughs> It does look like me, doesn't it? That's your, that's so this yeah. is a gold coin that is made out of a special kind of not real gold <laughs> that is commemoration of the 50th anniversary of the first hydrogen car. 50 years, good grief. 
you should get a gold coin after that, right? A real one, huh? Yeah, well, this is real. It's just not gold. Okay. okay. On the back, it's got the seal of the International Academy of Science, and the Academy made this as a kind of a commemorative thing. Mm -hmm. So it's one of my favorite coins. Uh, I've been giving these out to some of the kids that come and visit Science Live. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So if you didn't already have one, I would give you one. I could have two. Okay, hey, you know what? She probably deserves one. Did you know that this very week, Dr. Monet is recording a brand new course? It's yes. called PE and Social and Emotional Education. Two. Two. It's, it's, it's a neat course. I've been looking at some of the lessons because I'm very fussy about what kind of lessons we you know, we give it to our students. But yesterday when she was filming, she invented a new word. And I know that some of you are really anxious to see the course, but it'll take a little while to get it out. It's coming along. But would you like to know the word before everybody else? I invented a hydrogen car and got a gold coin. Come on. She invented a new word, and now she thinks she's going to get some hydrogen gold. Yeah, that's what yeah. I think. Yeah. Now, when I told you about how we got the dynamic memory to work in the Billings computer and we had to put memory refresh in the chip and all of that, well, that was necessity. We invented that technology out of necessity to make it affordable so we could actually sell our computers. She invented her new word out of necessity. Yep. She was there talking and I talked to the filmer, there he is, and I found out that she had something she couldn't say. She was trying to say it and it wouldn't come out, wouldn't come out, wouldn't come out. And you know, when you can't say something, then you have a need for invention. Absolutely. So she invented the new word. I wonder if you could say three times fast the words you couldn't say. How cruel is this? <laughs> no, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. How no. cruel is this? How cruel is this? this how is cruel? I can say that. How cruel is this? I have gold. <laughs> I can sure okay, try here we it. Go. Me try Let's it? try it. Yeah. You can do it in slow motion. Social emotional. See, she couldn't say that. She's trying to say it real fast. Because she gets emotional. all animated and excited. <laughs> She's trying to say social emotional, social emotional. And so she created a new, would you like to be the first people to know her new word? This is Peugeot's first official gold invention, gold award. Would you like to tell us your new word, please? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Could we get a, get a tight on her for this? Really? Okay, here it comes. Wait, wait for it. It's coming, coming, coming now. Now. There it is. Okay. That's pretty tight. Can we hear your new word? Here it comes. It's. Social. And I'm owning that and I am propagating it through my course. I mean, who comes up with social emotional education, really? In recognition of your invention of the new word, social. No, it's social. Oh, now we're getting funny. Social. That's how it looks Sociality. when you spell it out. Yeah. Social. That's pretty good. We would like to award you with this gold coin. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Let's hear it for her. Yeah. Okay, now.
Could we borrow your coin, please? This is me practicing my social we, interaction. Yeah, be social. Okay. So I wanted to do something that you do with coins. What is that? You, you flip them. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. It flips. Gold coins flip. So I'm going to flip this. This one that's got that, that R on it. Face on it. That's, the R's that's face called right heads. Oh. <laughs> this one that has the Academy logo is called Academy or Tells. Okay? Yeah, okay. So I'm going to flip it. And what I want you to do is to predict what it's going to be. Okay. Are you ready? Well, mm -hmm. it's in the air. Ready? Okay. Get set. Tails. Tails. Hmm. Me. Let's try it again. Ready? Mm -hmm. Tails. That's cheating. Heads. <laughs> Heads. I can see it from here. That was, that was okay. deliberate. So we're now flipping coins. We sure are. And she's calling what they're going to be. And as you can see, she's better at inventing new words than she is at calling whether it's heads or tails. <laughs> flipping a coin, do you realize that very, very rarely does the coin land on its edge? It's either heads or it's tails. And what is the chance it's going to be heads? And what's the chance it's going to be tails? It's all on the flip. 50-50 <laughs> is the correct answer. <laughs> don't worry, she doesn't teach math. <laughs> I don't. It's on the flip? <laughs> oh, boy, I'm going to invent a new word in a minute. <laughs> At any rate, this idea of flipping a coin is a random result. If I flip this coin a million times, which would take a little while, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I would have about a half a million heads and about a half a million tails. And the more times I flip it, the more accurate it would be half. If I flip it twice, I might get two heads. There's one. Yep, tails. But as it averages out with more and more and more tries, it's going to be random between heads and tails. Studying random events and predicting probabilities is a big part of science. And there's some really interesting things we do with this. In fact, there's a whole course in the Cellus on statistics. And we talk a lot about statistics. And the things that they do with statistics are really amazing. And I, I think it's kind of fascinating. Can everybody get the concept that when you flip a coin, that there's a 50-50 chance it's going to be heads, 50-50 chance there's going to be tails? Mm -hmm. So that's pretty simple with just a coin. Let's make it more complicated. <laughs> She's nervous. <laughs> she knows the pressure's going to be on. I have. 52 cards, mm -hmm. they're all different. And if I were to have her just choose one card here, she has one chance in 52 of being the card that she thinks it is, right? And I doubt she'll get it right, okay? So I want her to pick a card, just randomly choose a card, any card you want. Five of hearts. Five of hearts. 
was maybe hoping for a higher number. Ten of diamonds. <laughs> Do you want to change to ten of diamonds? No. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Pick any card you want. That one right there. This is the one you choose. Can you see that? Is it the five of hearts? No. Ten of diamonds. Bad choice. You really messed up. I did. <laughs> So if we do this 52 times, chances are she'll probably get it right once. There's a lot of cards, right? Can you see all those cards? What's the right yeah, card? Yeah, look at those. Tell me and I'll go find The right card is the one you choose. Okay. Now, probability can be impacted by science, and it can also be impacted by magic, right? <laughs> Can it? Mm -hmm. I think it can. For example, what card did you choose? The five of hearts. The five of hearts. <laughs> yeah. So she got that right, didn't she? Was that now, the five of hearts? I don't know. Was it? <laughs> I didn't get to see Was it? it? I don't know. Was it? I wonder if I can get this so that you can catch it with the camera. Can you see these cards here? I'm going to flip through them. Can you see them? Yeah, I can see them. Let's try that, let's try that one more time. Can everybody see it okay? Look at that. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to just, if you would please, choose the five of hearts. Any one you want. Is that the one you want? And will you show it to us please? Isn't she amazing? She has got it down, and it's no wonder that she got it because it's everywhere. But <laughs> of course, the truth is, it's gone. All right. Now you're going to say, well, what part of probability is that? That's probably a little twist, but we're getting the concept of probability, aren't we? Okay. But what I want to do now is up the ante. I want to make this a lot more interesting, a lot more valuable. And to do that, I'm going to need my little pen, and I'm going to need to show you my artwork here. Can we turn on this camera, please? There it is. Can you see that artwork? I did that. <laughs> yep, yep. Can you see it? Up here on the top is a perfect sphere. <laughs> You're being too judgmental. <laughs> okay, there's a perfect sphere there, and I want you to imagine that that's a little ball. And imagine that we drop that little ball down here, and these, these are, see these blue, these are posts. Just think of them like little nails driven in a board. There's a whole bunch of them here. Okay. All right, so if we drop that ball, and it comes down and hits this first post, it's either going to go around that way, or it's going to go around this way, right? got to go one of the two ways because there's only two ways for it to go. So it has to make a decision and it turns out that as we drop these it will go one of the two ways. Let's say it goes this way, it hits this post. Now it's got to go either one way or the other again. You see what I'm saying? If it happens to bounce this way it's going to hit this post. Then it can go this way or it can go that way. 
Are we keeping up with this? Mm -hmm. yeah. So pretty soon this ball is going to fall down through here and hit as many posts as it can. And finally, it's going to end up in one of these bins. See how these nice round balls, perfect <laughs> spheres, have right. fallen into some of these bins. Now, this actually gets real interesting in a minute. Because with the understanding of probability, we can predict where this ball is going to be. If we drop one ball, we don't know where it's going to be, but we do know where it's going to be 68% of the time. That's most of the time. And why? It actually turns out that the ball is usually going to be in these center little bins. Can you figure out why? Why would it tell usually you. be in the... You're just waiting for me to tell you. <laughs> Maybe if you would pay me. <laughs> look, 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 I have one. Thank you. Will you pay me for that knowledge? Yes. Knowledge is very valuable. Then I'd, I'd have to take your word for it. <laughs> My word is good. Okay, I take your word. Mm -hmm. I now own the newest word in the English vocabulary. <laughs> Social. It's a good word. Social. It's a nice word. It's a way of it? living. Okay. But actually, this is something that I really think you're going to want to understand. So if this comes down and hits the post, the probability is 50-50 to go that way or this way. Mm -hmm. So let's say that it comes down and it bounces this direction. Then it's going to hit here. And then it could go either way again. It could go over there. could go over there. Well, let's say it bounces over here again, and then it's got to go either way again. Let's say it bounces over here again, and it's got to go either way again. Then it bounces over here, and it keeps doing this, bounces over here, bounces over here, and finally bounces down in this channel. Do you see that in order for that to end up in this bin, it has to go to the right one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times? What is the chance it's going to do that? One in seven? Now what if it comes here and it bounces this way? Now it can go that way or it can go that way. It can go that way or it can go that way. And what happens is you start to find out in these inner bins, there are a lot of ways. It could go from here, over to there, over to there. There are a lot of ways it can get in the middle bins. So most of the time, it's going to go in the middle. And very rarely is it going to get on the outside. And you're saying, OK, why is this such a big deal? Well, you really want to understand that, so you'll be ready for what I'm going to show you next. Can you see there's only one way it can get here, and that is to always go to the right every time. But there are a lot of paths it could take. It could go over there, over there, and then bounce back and back. There's a lot of paths of how it go left, right, left, right, and end up right there. Can you see that? Since there are more possible paths, it's going to end up there more often. And that is statistics and probability. Now you say, prove it, right? Well, I brought my prover. Would you like to see my prover? I better turn my prover around. Okay. And here comes my 
my lens are, oh look, we can see the gold in there, can't we? Check it out, mmm, lots of gold, okay, good. That's not part of this, okay. I think we're about there, can you see it? So here are the little pins, can you see all those pins? And down here, I don't have just one little ball, I actually have 3,000 little balls. And why do I have so many? Because the probability of it actually giving me a good experimental result is much higher when I have a lot more chances. So I'm going to see if I can get back just a little further so you can see that better. Okay, good. You see that? Mm -hmm. Now, can you see this curve here? This curve is showing where the balls will probably go, except right now, it's upside down, but most of the balls will go right here in the middle. That's where the greatest probability is. And I'm gonna turn this around, flip it over. These balls are gonna start cascading through here and we'll see which of these bins they end up in. And if this is science, and if the science of mathematics really works, and if, and it, let's try it. Are you ready? Hopefully I got enough room to flip this over. Oh, that's cool. There we go. <laughs> Can neat. you see where all the balls are there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's hard to get this exactly on the camera, but can you see all the balls are almost perfectly on that curve, aren't they? Yeah, that is neat. All right, and remember all these up here, it was hitting, 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 but most of the path came through that way. Pull this back just to here. So all the balls went back in. Let's try it again. Isn't that interesting? So once again, we have the balls, and just a very, very few happened to go right, 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 right every time. Others went right a few times left, and you can see it goes right up. This curve is the curve we talk about when we talk about how students do on tests, on assignments, it's called the bell curve. Does it look like a bell? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also a curve that is very uh, well known and understood in genetics. This is the curve about how people have genetic traits and in fact that's how this was origi originally invented. Now, I want to try something a little bit different this time. I want to get back here so you can see the top. I'm going to dump these balls through again and I want you to watch as they drop down through here. Can you see the little orange circles, mm -hmm. because of this very same principle, most of the balls are gonna spend most of their time in the orange. Let me reset it. There they went. Now watch inside that orange and see if that's where most of them are. You ready? Can you see how they're mainly in the middle? And if we look down, we got another bell curve. Really is kind of amazing, isn't it? Um, it's almost like magic, but really it's all about probability. It's like flipping the coin. Every time it can go one of those two ways. Now, in this experiment or this demonstration, we actually see it fill the bell curve. In the science of, of statistics, they are able to make all kinds of very useful and interesting predictions. And 
in many branches of science, we use the same mathematics to be able to predict experimental outcomes and even to be able to produce certain chemicals and things by the science. So isn't that amazing? That is neat. Mm -hmm. Would you like to say it again? Uh -huh. I knew you would. <laughs> okay, we're going to try a zoom in now. Okay. Oops. Is that a good zoom in? If I can turn it, oh, it's going to hit. So let them all run down. I think we're close enough now. You can see the balls better. Now watch them. Oh, that's neat. Every time, and it's all because on every post they hit, they have to make a choice of left and right. And because of the positioning, whichever choice they make, most of the balls are eventually going to end up in the middle. One more time. That time, it's a little bit off, but I actually missed when I turned it. Let's try it again. It is pretty fascinating. Another thing that I think is kind of interesting, it's a little tilted here. If you actually move the tilt a little closer to flat, usually comes out a little more accurate even. See that? Mm -hmm. It's right on. So making observations of things like this in science are very, very fascinating. There is one ball here, can you see it? That just happens to be brass, so it's gold. Can you see it in there out of the 3,000 balls? Don't worry, I can't either. <laughs> but if we really wanted to do a study, we could do this over and over and over again and just follow that one ball. 68% of the time, it would be in this middle band. Of course, that's true with all of them. You can see how it fills up the bell curve. So something like this can create so much potential in being able to have power to make things happen. And statistics is a very fascinating field, but like I say, you can use this in so many different branches of science. I think it's pretty neat. It's what really do neat. you think about that? I'm trying to figure out how it fits in with genetics. Well, just imagine uh -huh. this was a whole cup full of coins. I can imagine that. <laughs> Did you notice that they universally went down. I did notice that. What is the chance? 100%. It's like when I was uh, a young boy fishing in the mud puddle. <laughs> I found that if you put a hook on the string, the chance of catching a fish get no better in the mud puddle. <laughs> it doesn't get any better? <laughs> no, not in the mud puddle. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. What does it have to do with genetics? We have... Uh, markers in our genes that designate different characteristics. For example, the color of hair, uh -huh. whether or not we're going to be tall, whether or not we're going to have a certain eye color. And the, the guy that really invented this bell curve and, and did a lot of this early research, uh, whose name I just, I have concealed. They oh, hold yeah? the coins mm -hmm. right here. Wait, wait for it. Okay. There he is. If I can show you here, I think I have to have it like this. Can you see it? Mr. Galton uh, is the guy that, that first came up with this, and he did it by studying genetics. 
And he found that when different parents were to have different offspring, that they had those traits according to this kind of a curve. And it's for the very, very same reason that we have it here in the ball. There's the probability of which gene is going to be dominant, and the whole field of genetics comes out of this. We find it in many, many, many places. We also find it in Acellus. When we look at students' grades, when we put out an exam, we see the grades of students to be just like this, this curve. We mm -hmm. have a lot that are very, very high, we have the bulk here, and then some that are very low. And that is how we help tune our courses to make them more optimized. So uh, something well worth studying. So I have a deal. I, uh, I went to a, a restaurant this week here in Kansas City, behaving myself. Behaving yourself? Pretty much. And um, it, it's uh, one of those times with COVID when we're wearing masks in Kansas City, and so I was wearing my mask. Uh, I, I have the kind of mask that goes up over the eyes. <laughs> no, actually, I don't, but. Um, and uh, a young man came up to me, and he was able to recognize me, even though I was masked and disguised. And his name was Braxton. Yeah, yeah and he was there having dinner. And he came up and introduced himself and said that he was uh, an Acela student. And it was nice meeting him, wasn't it? It was very nice. Um, my only regret when I met Braxton is that I didn't have any hydrogen gold. <laughs> because uh, I have this tradition that I like to give out hydrogen gold. I have a few of these. I don't know when I'm going to run out. But uh, so I have this new deal. I want to thank those of you that have come and visited us, Science Live, but while supplies last, <laughs> sounds like commercial, <laughs> um, I'm going to give a, a gold coin to those of you who come. Some of you here tonight probably like one. Unfortunately, like I'm starting next week. Can I have mine back, please? No, you give it, you, you invested. <laughs> and look at this knowledge that you have. It's more valuable than gold. You're right. I'm working on my social moment now. <laughs> yeah, now, now tell us exactly how that word works again. It's social. It's no, seriously, will you explain it? Mm -hmm. okay. It's a combination between social and emotional. And what it really is to me, since I invented it, I came up with it, it's, a, um, it's an attitude about life. It's how you deal with life, whatever comes your way, whether it's good, whether it's bad. Um, it's how you respond to it. It's how you deal with it. And it better be good. <laughs> so. if, if we don't deal good uh -huh. with it, will that lower your marks as a teacher? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Okay, so <laughs> we have to be good so you get good grades. Yes, it's all about me, me, me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Actually, in the lesson that I sampled yesterday, she gave a whole big lesson about it. it's not about you, 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 you. I did. That's why I did that. It's about her, 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 her. <laughs> <laughs> now you know my secret. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Penny for your thoughts. Thank you. So did my filmer really tell you all about my little <laughs> thing? <laughs>
<laughs> I'm gonna talk to him. <laughs> I could tell you a lot of things about your filmer. <laughs> okay, I think we're good. It could change our rating. Any, no, it would be really good. But actually, uh, it is exciting to be filming this new course. And uh, the, the Braxton guy that I had the privilege of meeting yesterday uh, seemed to be very, very happy that in the same restaurant, having dinner at the same time, it was like a group of us, was Dr. Peje Monet. And uh, I was expecting him to come up and tell me that I was his favorite hydrogen guy, but he didn't. <laughs> but he did say that her course is his favorite course, and, and that's neat. Yeah. I think he's saying it to be polite. You do tell your kids to be polite. <laughs> I thought it was a polite thing to say. It's my favorite course, too. His eyes didn't say it just to be polite. No, it, it really, really, really is fun. But you know, a lot of students are finding that there are some things to think about in how we react socially and emotionally with each other. And so much of our life is about that. So uh, it's exciting. When we filmed the last course, uh, it was years ago, it was back when Dr. Monet was still a youngster. <laughs> well, you still are. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's really interesting. I just want to tell you that this new course is amazing. And we'll be very excited to get it out soon. It's PE, Social and Emotional Education 2. So if you haven't finished the first one, you have to do that first. That's right. OK. Mm -hmm. I had a, a mother that was corresponding with me, and she told me that uh, there are a few things we need to work out on Acellus, and I'm always looking for ways to make it better. And a lot of our best ideas have come from parents and, and from teachers and from students. Uh, you know, when, when students are on a problem and they think that the problem is not clear or something's wrong with it, you've got that little button you can click now and say, I think we can make this better. We listen to that, don't we? Sure. We make it better. Anyway, this mother told me that one of the things we need to work on and sell us is social-emotional education. Oh. And I thought, uh-oh, what's wrong with it? And she said, well, every time I turn my back, my student switches to it. <laughs> and I said, well, it's a good course. It'll really help your student. She says, my student's been through that course four times. <laughs> Well, we have a long lives to live. We have to get it all, don't we? Yes, we do. Well, all I have to say is on behalf of all of the students that enjoy that course, thank you. And on behalf of Dr. Monet, I'd like to say uh, she really is counting on us behaving. That's why I've been so respectful tonight. <laughs> yeah? Because I'm being social. <laughs> thank you. We'll see you next time.